our scripture reading, we turn to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. We read the first 36 verses of Lamentations 3, beginning at verse 1. I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me, encompassed me with gall and travail. He has set me in dark places, as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stones. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait, and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is, a, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. 
It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this afternoon, and the text that we consider this afternoon is verse 24, which I preached this morning in connection with uh, the Lord's Supper. Verse 24 the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Dearly beloved, in our Lord Jesus Christ, the book of Lamentations is said to have been written by the prophet Jeremiah. I mean, then that Jeremiah was used of God to write the, the prophecy of Jeremiah, which is right before this book, and then also the, the Lamentations. To lament, to lament is to, to mourn. It is to express sorrow, express grief. And this book that's been, that's called Lamentations, speaks about what took place when the Jews were taken captive to Babylon, when Jerusalem was destroyed, when the temple was burnt, when there were many people who were slain, and when God's people were taken captive and now were dwelling among the heathen. What a judgment it was that had come upon them, the judgment of God that he had spoken of repeatedly. He had spoken through the prophets, through Jeremiah. He had spoken about what was going to take place. And his word, the word of God spoken through him was rejected by many. And then the day came when they were taken captive to Babylon, they came when the temple, the temple was, was burnt. And then when you read through the book of Jeremiah, it's five chapters long, but as you read through the book of Jeremiah, you read about the, the suffering of the, the people of God. And we, as, you go th as we go through it, our mind is directed to The punishment that we deserve because of your and my sin, 
exercise our confessions say that rather than our sin go unpunished, that God hath punished the same in his beloved son Jesus Christ. And we're to constantly have set before us the truth concerning Christ's suffering and death, his perfect sacrifice. And when we read of the Jews who didn't listen to God, who rejected the word of God, then we're also to remember what we deserve for the many ways in which we do not heed what God has said. And that we still have a nature that is depraved. What judgment do we deserve? You know, when we're supposed to examine ourselves, and it's not only just before the Lord's Supper, but we're to continue to meditate on our sins and the curse we deserve. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to examine ourselves as to how often do I do that. Consider my own sins and the curse that I deserve, that I personally deserve. How often and for how long do I do that? And in our in the beginning of the form for Lord's Supper, it says that we may humble ourselves before God. We all tend to be proud. And we all see that in ourselves. We recognize that we are supposed to be humble. God says he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. We see our own pride and our own selfishness. We're to continue to remember how great, when we say this in the Heidelberg Catechism too, how great our sins and miseries are. We say we need to know that to enjoy comfort. That they're great. But we have a tendency to think of our sins as relatively small in comparison to others. We spend relatively little time thinking of our own. We spend a lot of time thinking about other people's which itself shows us our sin. And we sometimes make rash judgments about others. Sometimes we accuse them in our own thoughts rashly or unheard. And we're to humble ourselves before God and remember the sacrifice that Christ, Christ's perfect sacrifice, and we're also to see in this that, in this chapter, that when God chastens his people, he does that in love. He doesn't bring these judgments upon them to destroy them. And in the difficulties that we go through in this life, we are reminded that the Lord is not bringing whatever he has whatever evils he sends upon us. And he does send them. He sends evils upon us in this valley of tears. But we know he does not send them that, that we might be destroyed. But he is merciful. And he chastens us in love. For those that went through the 
the time when the Babylonians came and were there, when people were dying. For those that were God's people, of course, there were those that Israelites that weren't. There were those that really were not the people of God. They were Israelites outwardly. You know, by blood, they were of that line, but that they did not personally believe. But of course, there would have also been God's people that went through that. And God's people, in the trial that they went through, were uh, comforted by God with thoughts about God's mercies. And that's what we see here in this book. As you read through it about the suffering and, call, and the people be being told that they should repent and should call out to God, toward the center of this book, you have this section. This is a section that we often quote. And when you read it in its context, you know, this is in the Lamentations. And toward the center of it, we have this reference to the Lord's mercies. And that in verse 22, for example, it says, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. That we're not consumed. He does not cast off forever. Because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. And then the words of the text here. After that phrase, great is thy faithfulness. In verse 23. Then we have verse 24 that says, the Lord is my portion saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is my portion. What a comfort that is for us to know that our God is with us and that even if everything else is taken away from us, we have God. We have our covenant God with us. We have Jesus Christ our Lord dwelling in our midst. We are in him. He is nourishing our souls. And as those who are nourished by our Lord, we're satisfied. We're content in the midst of the trials of this life. So we consider this, this text under the theme, the Lord is my portion. We consider, first of all, our portion. Secondly, our confession. And thirdly, our, our hope. Jehovah is my portion. That, that phrase is found in a number of places in the Psalms. We're familiar with that. There's a number of times where we sing this in the Psalms. And Psalm 16, for example. Psalm 73. Psalm 142 are just some examples that we sing in the Psalms and say that Jehovah is our portion or Jehovah is my inheritance. And Jeremiah, his, his dad, at the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, it says he was the son of Hilkiah. 
And Hilkiah, the, the name of Jeremiah's dad, Hilkiah, means something like Jehovah is my portion or portion of Jehovah or something of that, of that sort. We remember that the priests, and Jeremiah was of the line of the priests, Remember that the priests were told that Jehovah was their inheritance. You know, they didn't, when they divided by lot the different portions of land for, for uh, the different tribes, then it says that with regard to the priests, it was different. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. I am thy part and thine inheritance. So it was said to the priests. The priests, of course, were of the line of, of were the tribe of Levi. But that idea, I am thy part and thine inheritance. That idea that he is our portion directs us to the covenant, that I idea of the covenant. In fact, in Deuteronomy 32, we read Jehovah's portion is his people. We are said to be his people. We are the people with whom he has brought into communion with himself. And we are said to be his portion. Jehovah's portion is his people. And he is our portion. We are his people. He is our God. We have communion, fellowship. Christ and his church. Christ, our bridegroom, we together, members of the bride of Christ, the church, we have fellowship together. And having that, We're happy. We're content. That certainly comes out in, in, in this passage here, is that idea that after it talks about the, the suffering, what it was like living in Jeremiah's day, then to go and say, then to have our mind directed to the fact that the Lord is my portion. I have fellowship with God. And if we have God, then we have, uh, we have all that we need. And what a comfort that is. I remember visiting a, a saint that had had an accident when he was younger, and uh, he was in a, he after that he had he had to stay in a certain place where they would take care of him. Uh, and this was not here in in this area, but before when I was at Hope. But when I would visit him, he would often bring that up. There was a line that he would often say, and I was struck by the fact that in the providence of God, I keep hearing him say that. 
that he'd say, you know, if you don't have God, you don't have anything. And if you have God, you have everything. And the next, you know, I'd visit him later, and he'd, you know, he'd, he'd end up, many you know, number of times he'd end up saying that line again. And in God's providence, as you, as you hear that, it, now that's something you know. But how important it is for us to continue to keep that in mind. And if we have God, we have all we, all we need. So we should be happy and content knowing we have him. There are, of course, many that want to be away. They want to be away from where God speaks. They hear the word of God. They hear the word of God read, or they hear the word of God soundly proclaimed or taught. And they want to be somewhere else. They don't want to be around anyone that would bring up the word of God and would show them from Scripture what the Word of God says. There are many that proudly think they don't need God. They're fine on their own. They don't, they don't need Him. And there are many that seek pleasures or riches and think they will be happy. You know, in our country, we talk about the pursuit of happiness. Man pursues happiness, and the idea is you can pursue happiness any way you want as long as you don't interfere with other people's pursuit of happiness. And people think that by having possessions and different pleasures or whatever, they follow their dreams, as they say, that they'll be happy without God. Lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. And such are many. And in fact, in the Psalms of which we spoke, where this appears, it appears in the contrast between us who are satisfied with God, some who are satisfied having God, and others who go after other gods. Like in Psalm 16, when it says, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup, thou maintainest my lot, verse 5. Well, the previous verse says, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. So it's, it's the, con the contrast is set forth there. Uh, in Psalm 73, we say, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. It's contrast between those who are far from God who perish and those who can say that God is my portion. We have God. We have Christ with us. We do also have many things today. Sometimes we're concerned ourselves that with all of the abundance of the things that we have, that our mind can be so much on the things below. And we do recognize that danger. 
and that we have a high st standard that we want to reach as far as a standard of, of living. We have so many things and we can be concerned about them such, yet we do recognize that we really do seek things above. We do enjoy pleasures. There's some pleasures that we enjoy that we can rightly enjoy. There's some that we can. We can enjoy the things that God has given us. Yet, in all that we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we're to do it to the glory of our God. And to consider what would we do if these were taken away? If the possessions that we had were taken away? Or, not only possessions, but people that you know. Even more so, it can be difficult when you have people that you know and whom you love that are no longer here. And with regard to your health, you can be healthy one moment and then all of a sudden you're, you're not. All of a sudden you could be injured and laid low. You could have an injury that they say you're not fully going to recover from. They have something that you're going to have now for life. And what if we lose some of the things that we would, would have not wanted to lose? Would we be content with the fact that we have God? If we are content, if we're content that we have God, then we will be patient and we'll stand firm in a trial. If we, if we already have what we, what we desire, if one thing that I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after we sing in the songs. If we have the one thing we desire, then in the trials that we go through, we'll be patient. We'll stand firm, confident that God's with us and his grace is sufficient. If we're not content with God alone, then when trials come and when we face difficulties quickly, we will be impatient. Well, we recognize we have, we have a small beginning of the new obedience. We can say that, yes, we are content with God alone, and yet we recognize that we struggle to be, to be patient, to wait, to wait on the Lord. Yet we do have the Spirit of Christ working within us, and we do make the confession that we do hear. It's not only that we know, it's not only that we know that Jehovah is our portion, that we know he's made his everlasting covenant with us, and that we know that covenant is unconditional, that we shall forever be a living member of the body of Christ. We know that. You know we can't lose our salvation. We know our salvation was not based on any activity we performed, and we know that we can, nothing can separate us from the love of our God. We know that, and we also... Confess this. 
in this passage, in this passage, we see how this is something that we confess. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. You know, when we have the Lord's Supper, we read about what our soul says, what our soul is supposed to say, what we're supposed to say in our heart. Let everyone say in his heart thus, God nourishes us in our souls, and let everyone say in his heart thus, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. That we're to say, Bless the Lord. And to sometimes confess that in, in times of great difficulty. To confess this, not only to say, I know this is true, but then to say it from the heart. And that's brought out in this verse, too. Because it says, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. What does our soul, what does your soul? soul say because there's those that will say things with their mouth in the sense of their mouth of their body and yet not be saying it with their in their in their heart in their spiritual you know spiritually here we say this is what my soul says that God is my portion. And we can, we read this, and we think, looking at the situation, we understand Jeremiah and the saints in that time, and the great difficulties that they had, the things taken, and the, the you know, things that seeing the, the, the Babylonians come into Jerusalem and all the suffering that there was for them to be able to say my soul says the Lord is my portion and whatever happens in this life I still have Jehovah as my portion and though they live among the Babylonians whose mind is on things below, just like we live among those of this world whose mind is on things below. We have Jehovah. We have Christ, our head. And we're satisfied. We confess that. And certainly in our own life we can... Many of us can look back in our life and we can remember times that were quite difficult. And perhaps we're going through a time like that even now. Where you look back or you look at the situation and as you look at the situation and the difficulties that you're going through, that your mind can think repeatedly about those difficulties but then the Spirit reminds you 
you have God. You have God with you. And you will never lose the fellow, the, the, your, you know, the fact that we are a member of that body and we will be with God forever and no one can separate us from his love. And it is good that we remember that and then we say it so that it comes to our mind and we say it. The Lord is my portion. So you consider somebody going through a difficult trial and having his mind on that and then having the Spirit remind him of the promises of God and saying, Jehovah is my portion. I have fellowship with God. He's with me. He's merciful. I know he's merciful. I know he loves me. I know what I'm going through is something that he had before ordained. And I know he's with me now. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Our mind goes to these things and then we confess it from the heart. We confess God is our strength. Going back to that Psalm 60, 73, another psalm where we, a psalm that I read a moment ago that speaks about God as our portion. Well, in verse 26, it says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So you put that together with it. The idea that when we say, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God, he's the strength of my heart. Wait on the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. We confess that. It's a confession of faith. It's a, conf it's a personal confession. It's not only a confession that this is what God's people say, but that this is, what, this is what you say. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. That you and I make that confession that it's not only the case that the Lord is the portion of other people, but of other people, but he's, he's my portion. My soul says this. He's mine inheritance. He maintaineth my lot. And that I say this and I confess this and I say it from the, from the heart. And one who confesses this then from the heart, we're to show that we're living in the consciousness of that in our life. And that we're not so concerned about the building up a multitude of earthly things. And that our mind is really is on things above. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God. 
and that we show that too. We show our love for God, loving the people of God. So that instead of being selfish and there's such a tendency for every, all of us to be selfish. We mentioned about how proud we are, but we can look at it from how selfish we are. As one who is meditating and confessing that Jehovah is my portion, then I confess with gratitude. Yeah, I say uh, with love in my heart for my God, what would thou have me to do? And to show love for God's people. And to be willing to serve the saints. And resolve to walk in true love and peace with our neighbors. And we want to show our gratitude to our God. And we're so thankful that we have communion with our God. And we want to show our thankfulness, our gratitude to him. In our life. Which then shows in how we, how we get along with one another. And then how we're examples for our children to get along with one another. But we want our children to get along with one another. And we want our children to get along with other people's children. And to show respect to one another. And be kind to one another. And show interest in one another. And to fellowship with others in, in the school. And then what we desire as adults to be examples. Show our love to other people. Show that we esteem one another, that we esteem others better than ourselves, and that we're thankful for the different members of the body of Christ. I love thy saints who fear thy name as we sing. And that we desire to show our gratitude. So thankful that Jehovah is our portion. And... Lastly, we look at it from the viewpoint of our hope. We not only, this verse not only speaks about the fact that he is our portion now, but then also from the viewpoint that, you know, we will forever be with our God and the fact that we will, looking forward, we will hope in him. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him, being confident that Jehovah is my portion, being satisfied with the fact that I have Jehovah God, that I'm a friend of God, that he's made his covenant with me, I have fellowship with him. We hope, we look looking forward, we look forward with anticipation. confident that God will grant us what we need. We don't despair. So we don't look forward and despair. And when we fall into sin, as we say in the baptism form, we don't despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin. Since baptism is a seal and undoubted testimony that we have an eternal, an everlasting covenant with God. Sometimes looking forward, we can start to feel sad, feel down, feel discouraged. 
when this verse, a verse like this comes to mind, Jehovah is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. And then verse 26, it's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for you. That's good for me. It's good for me, for you, that we should hope and quietly wait, quietly wait for the salvation of our Lord, not complaining, submissive, thankful. Wait for the Lord. God says, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. Verse 25, he is good unto those, them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Seek, and ye shall find. And though our outward circumstances may stay the same, Though we may be in a situation where, when we think of hope, looking towards the future, it may be we're in a situation where we say, I don't see this changing. What I really wish would change. Could be we have an injury that, you know, it's, it's not going to change. You know? Say we aren't able to walk and we're told, well, that you're not going to be able to, as far as we can tell. Or though it be somebody that's very close to us that has died and we have to continue on as hard as it, as it is. Or perhaps it's somebody that we love that we want to turn. We so much want them to turn from their sin. And maybe they will. But God hasn't promised us that they certainly will. We don't know. And when we look forward, we look forward with confidence, knowing that our God will be with us and that his grace will be sufficient. Even as he has promised. On what basis do we look forward with such confidence? We look at the mercy of God. God is merciful. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. His compassions fail not. We know he's merciful. We know he's faithful. And with our mind on the mercy of God, on the faithfulness of God, we look forward with confidence. And we understand that that hope has that idea. Hoping doesn't... When we use hope in many... That term, we're all familiar with the fact that we often use the word hope to express something we want to have happen, but we, we don't really know if it will. We say, I hope so. And when we use the word hope in that sense, we all understand that we're using the term in a sense that involves there's a certain amount of doubt. Maybe it won't. But when we talk about hoping in God, then we're 
we're expressing something that, and what God has promised us, we know, we have no doubt that we will receive what he has promised us. And when our mind turns on, turns to God, instead of just thinking about our problem, when we fix our mind on God, then with confidence, you know, we make, we make this confession. <coughs> and how important it is and it can be hard for us to do. It can be hard for us. It can be difficult. We can have moments where our mind again turns to God and his mercy and his faithfulness. And then we make confessions like this. And then we can find we're quickly turning back to the problem and the difficulty that we want to change. And we don't know exactly how to change what we want to change. And, we're, and we can get down and can get discouraged and then we need to keep going back to consider the mercies and the faithfulness of our God and to confess what we say here. He's my portion. It's good for me that I wait. Wait on the Lord, that I hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. He will provide me what I need. He is my light. In darkness. He's my treasure in time of need. He gives rest in time of war and trouble. It's good that I hope in him. And our hope can't be frustrated. He is our portion forever, as we sing in Psalm 73. Our portion forever. May we be comforted by this word. May you and I be comforted in the different trials we go through in this life. And may we with joy meditate on this. Also when things are going well. Also when we have a time when it seems like everything seems to be going the way we would want it to go. We can have certain periods of times when things seem to go well. And also in those times to remember Though it be the case that things go one way or things go another way, Jehovah remains our portion. We have him. What a joy we have in Christ. May we together encourage one another and praise and exalt his holy name. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God and our Father, we're so thankful for the grace, thankful for the everlasting covenant of grace that thou hast made with us and with our children. We desire, too, that the children here may be comforted by this truth that Jehovah is their portion and that he is their God, that our children know that Jehovah, that thou art their God and that thou art with them. And that the covenant is with them, no less than with the adults. We're so thankful that we and our children have comfort in whatever we go through. Thou art faithful. Thou art merciful. And we confess this, O Lord, from the heart. And we do, O Lord, by thy grace, hope in thee. May we glorify and praise thy name. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.